about all right good morning good evening good afternoon whatever time you're tuning in to this program it's the recipe with coach Dre Blast chef Andre Blassingame with Menu Monday I am flat out excited to be here uh, as you always do I think we're on episode 24 if I remember correctly I could be completely wrong I'm gonna have to go back and look at the uh, at the list, so uh, I'm just excited to have you guys here today. And uh, as you know, you know the show is uh, Health and Wealth is the Future of Our People, and I have the uh, wonderful, wonderful owners of IT Art in Radio.com, Miss Colette Williams, the mouth of the South, the mouth of the world. She's got the best voice in radio. I love it when she brings me on. Absolutely excited. She's going to be helping me today. <laughs> then I also have. My man, Kenny Hendricks, I know he's going to chime in with some of that incredible wisdom that he has gained over the years and what they've built up as a team. So I'm excited to be here with this black-owned beauty that is happening with our particular Intentional Talk Radio Network. we got some incredible things that are happening and some great things that are happening uh, that's coming in the near future. So... I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited because I'm going to talk for a few minutes, but before I do that, I want to introduce, um, you know, the person I'll be interviewing today. Now, uh, um, I I had a great opportunity to meet Darcel Sweet in LinkedIn. Uh, You guys know that I'm a huge LinkedIn fan for people that don't know me. You know, I like to call myself a mid-level celebrity on LinkedIn because where I got the most followers. But I spend a lot of time because I get an opportunity to talk to business execs in there and meet all kind of wonderful people. And I came across the sales information because I'm probably one of the few coaches that on LinkedIn, you know, when I send an inbox invite to somebody, it's me directly. Now, it might be my team, you know, sending it out for me with my words. But when I respond back, it's me, right? Because I like to make those connections and meet people. And that's how I built a, you know, a great, you know, national and international range of people to reach out to when I travel or have events coming up and things of that nature. And so uh, Darcel came came across my little my 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 little LinkedIn thing that my team does and and, and so I reached out to her. And uh, it has been incredible meeting her and knowing some of her background um, because, you know, with me being the chef dinner with food um, and how it ties into mental health and her having an entire company that she built from the ground up that focus on mental health, especially in the in the BIPOC community. You know, I have to ask her to be on. And, you know, and I know she has protocols and she's probably laughing right now because, you know, you go to her website, request, you know, spot to speak. And by the grace of God, you know, I got to finagle around the the gatekeepers, you know, to get this done. And she responded to me directly. So I'm definitely excited to be here. But let me tell you a little bit more about herself. She's a speaker, podcast, executive coach and an author. What I like so much about her is that, you know, she does. Uh, not only that, as a life coach and a motivational speaker, you know, uh, her work in the social work field as a sports consultant um, and a founding member of Full Circle Health. Now, Full Circle Health is a, a, a very unique mental awareness agency uh, that helps with enriching life and building others. And what's incredible about it is that, you know, if, if, if you go to her website, she has different people that are on there from actors to business people 
and, and, and videos to talk more about what it is. And some of the things that struck me on there was, you know, she's got one person on there that speaks about compassion. Someone else speaks about being committed. And, and, and a gentleman by the name of Thaddeus is probably the one that hit me the most. And I'm actually going to read this. He made a quote about her and her company called Sunlight. He said, in times of darkness, a simple ray of sunlight can jumpstart a return to wellness. That is what Darcel is, a ray of sunlight. Whatever you may be experiencing, I urge you to warm yourself, pierce your darkness with the warmth and light that Darcel resonates. Jumpstart your return to to wellness. So we're talking about someone that is not only inspirational and focused, but she's enthusiastic and she is built for this long haul, right? And to help really make you have that change. And I'm honored to have her on the show today so we can talk about mental health, her journey, hear her voice and her story and her power, and ask her a few questions about her journey and what she's been doing. So Darcel, are you there? I am here, and thank you, Master Coach Chef, and you are just so amazing. When I looked at your profile, I said, of course I will friend this man. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> outstanding. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, you know, as I told you, this is a safe space to free to speak freely, so we, we we're going to have a great conversation today. So, uh, but Darcel, for the for the listeners, they heard what I've said about you. Now you get a chance to toot your own horn. I know they always teach us to be humble, and that ego is a bad thing, right? But when you look at the definition of ego, it's just a a true definition of knowing who you are and where you stand, and being able to portray that to others. You know, as long as it's not inflated. But tell the listeners out there, you know, who you are, a little bit about you, and give them some background, uh, a story on on you and how you rose to this you know, wonderful, wonderful uh, mental health company you have. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. And, you know, sometimes born out of pain is a lot of potential. And when you see the pain of black folks in particular and our relationship with mental wellness, I actually get the incredible privilege of working with my husband, who is a psychiatrist. He works for the New York Knicks and the Jets. And we built full circle because we just felt like we needed to put together a powerful opportunity for people of color to be heard, to actually understand that it's okay to talk to somebody. So I left journalism in, let's see, 19-something. And we built this company in 1999. And I never turned back. I honestly never turned back. Uh, We decided to forge on an opportunity to make people happy and to be happy in mental wellness is actually a hard place to be but that's what we needed to do now can everybody hear me yes ma'am i can hear you just fine okay i just want to make sure because my audio dropped so the company was really built off of a husband and wife team who really wanted to give back and we wanted to give back in the community and we created full circle health um, back in 1999, and I left my job at CBS News. He left his position at Bronx Psychiatric, a hospital where he felt like he was on the end of the mental health train. And I honestly, John said, I'm going to help this man just for a minute and going back to my journalism career. Whoa, never happened. It's been 27 years in county in business together. We've built more than one mental health company. We have Full Circle Health. We have Full Circle Workforce Wellness, which is really 
uh, targeted at companies to invest in their employees. We have Full Circle Confidential, which is a private company for celebrities and VIPs and high net worth people who really wanted to stay private on the lowdown. And then we have a not-for-profit called the Full Circle Life Enrichment Center. So we have been busy building opportunities for people of color to lose that pain, lose those, uh, I would say, secrets to the point where it's tearing them apart and step into the light so that we can be a powerful force in their mindset shift to be well again. Well, I said, I hope you can hear me. Hold on one second. For some reason, I have audio. I can hear you. Okay, so you can hear me. Okay, I couldn't I hear can. you for a second there. I thought maybe it was my audio. Well, outstanding. Well, congratulations on, on, on everything that, you know, you and your husband have accomplished, man. I, I think that's incredible because you guys are in New York, correct? We're based in New York. We have offices in Westchester. Uh, we have licenses in Connecticut and New Jersey and Texas and California and other states are adding on. But I have to tell you, it's a passion to really try to help as many people that we can and touch them in their place of pain and help them heal as fast as we can. Well, I, I would tell you, I agree with your, your vision and mission wholeheartedly. Um, I was one of those ones for many a year that was opposed to, you know, going to a therapist. You know, that's not what black men do. You know, the older men didn't teach us that. We don't go talk to a, what they call it, they don't call it to a shrink. We don't go talk to head doctors, right? We actually, you know, figure it out in-house. And a few years ago, um, I, I was dealing with some 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 uh, personal issues with a business partner and not realizing I didn't get over a lot of things, um, you know, from my youth. And, and I got me a therapist. And, um, man, it was absolutely rewarding because even though all the great things people have said I've accomplished and everything that's been going on, you know, I still was dealing with some mental health and figuring things out, but I never knew why. And in, in talking to the therapist, like I said, from my own personal opinion, when she got all the way deep down back to when, you know, my mom died at 10, how I didn't really get over that, um, she she really brought out some emotion in my, you know, late thirties that I absolutely had no idea I was still holding on to. Right. I didn't realize it was something that was holding me back even because I was still making those same moves, having those same transitions, acting and responding in certain situations the same way that I did 30, 40 years ago, because I never dealt with that. So, for, for, for the listeners out there that are dealing with that, um, you know, from your standpoint, how, how does, I know your your husband may deal with this a little bit more, him you know, actually, you know, uh, being the medical doctor, but you've been in it since the 90s, so you probably got a good tenure under your belt. You know, how would someone know, what are some signs that someone would know that they're dealing with mental illness and should, you know, seek some help? Uh, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. And are you able to hear me pretty clearly? Now, does that increase my volume a little bit? So is that better? Man, you are fantastic. All right. So to answer your question, John, mental wellness is foundational to all wellness. And so many things happen to us in our day to day that could cause depression, that could cause anxiety, 
or fear or trauma. And then you have the cluster of mental health where we're having serious diagnoses of bipolar disorder um, or adjustment disorder or social disorder. And so the disorders go on and on. But the most, I would say, common mental health issue is depression and anxiety. And the way most of us know we have it is we just don't feel like ourselves. We are depressed. We're sleeping all the time. We don't want to be bothered with anybody. And all it takes is something like grief. I lost my mother in 2008. You mentioned 2010. I lost my dad in 2012. Um, I literally just Saturday didn't understand why I was feeling a little low, a little blue. January 29th, 2011, actually, is when my father died. And so Saturday was January 29th. And I kept saying, why do I feel so weird? Literally, I Googled his death date. And I said, okay, this makes sense. This is the death date of my father. 12 years on this day, he passed. And the depression that comes along with grief, all of us are going to experience that at some point in time. Grief is a very interesting piece where there are four stages of it and we all grieve differently. We eventually get to the stage of acceptance. And so I think with mental Mm. health, you have to really know yourself not be afraid to explore the emotions that are happening to you while you're feeling a little odd or out of sorts or a little down or a little blue. And then you begin to put together a formula of trying to seek a professional out if you know you're just not getting better. I'm a mental wellness counselor. My husband's a psychiatrist. I work with a ton of social workers. And the training that you get never prepares you for the person like yourself or me that are so grief-stricken you think about COVID, a lot of us are dealing with arrested grief. We didn't go to the funerals. What kind of funeral is it on Zoom? You can't even get full closure. So many of us are still trying to figure out, well, is this the way of the future? We all going to be in a box, in a box, <laughs> on a Zoom box, <laughs> and trying to touch and hug somebody through Cyberland to get comfort. That's a whole different thing. I mean, even an avatar could do that very well, right? Right. So we really have to listen to our body, listen to our mind, and seek professional help when we really feel as if it ain't just working for us anymore. Does that that sound like a good answer for you? Man, that sounds good. That sounds good. Colette, I see you over there. Look like you're ready to ask a question. (laughs) So, so yeah, you know, I I, I agree with that because even for me, in, in, in thinking about it, it took me a long time because, you know, um, I, I, I was out to dinner with some friends the other day, and there, and um, they were telling telling the waitress about this. This is Chef Andre, the celebrity chef. You know, he travels all over the world, do all these things. And I sat back and thought about it because I don't I don't take compliments well. At least I didn't. Right? It's like, nah, you know, I'm just here. And um, I, I, at the age of ten, my mom passed away at eighty nine. So, uh, 1989. So, when she passed away, I never realized how recluse I became and couldn't accept affection and compliments, right? And when I was telling you earlier, I talked to the therapist. She was like, well, that stems all the way back to then because your mom was the one that gave you the compliments, right? And she took that away. Your father is not that person. My father is not, hey, you look handsome today. Hey, you're the greatest kid. My father was an old military man who went to Korea and in Vietnam and was like, hey, you need to get this done. <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Make up your bed. Go to school. I need great grades. Stay out of trouble, etc., etc. Right? And so, but when I spoke to her, 
she really brought those things to light. Because if my friend would have said that to me, you know, he just just even ten years ago, that you know, celebrity chef Andre, you should know him and take pictures with him and all these different things. I'd have been like, man, I am not a celebrity. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to have my food and enjoy my friends, right? And that night was different, and this was all due to going to see a therapist um, about it. I was able to just say thank you and take the picture with the young lady because the young lady was like, well, you know, I've seen you on this and seen you on that. And it was it was rewarding, but it was a little bit terrifying because even though I, I don't I just don't see myself that way, you know, and that has really helped out a lot, especially in the black community. You know, going out to see therapists, I'm hearing more and more of my friends since I told them the story that I had with um, with my therapist um, over the years that are rethinking. It's like, you know what? Just need somebody else that is a safe zone. That's, you know, not going to tell me what I want to hear, but at least be a listening ear to change. So, man, again, I applaud what you and your husband has done, especially to step out in the 90s for an issue that, man. That that is 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 difficult to address in the black community, you know. <laughs> yeah, Andre, it is I difficult. Do... Go ahead, Colette. Okay, what I wanted to say was I really am glad that uh, Darcel is on with us today. The black community, we have countless issues in the black community, countless, and long before Robin Roberts wrote her book, Everybody's Got Something. Everybody has issues. I don't think there's a person alive, not on God's planet, that doesn't have issues. And the way we address those issues, the way we don't address those issues, determines where we go, how we go. A narcissist usually never wants to address the issues. Because as far as the narcissist is concerned, nothing wrong with the narcissist. I'm fine the way I am. Not ever understanding that the impact that they have on others is so harmful. So I'm really, really excited about Darcel being on and the information that she can give us and disseminate to our listener our, to our listeners and Darcel my question how do we get to does anyone ever get to clarity or is it that the issues are just easier to deal with does anyone ever get to clarity and having that feeling of new again and I've been able to shake the issues, the minutiae get over so is anyone ever able to do that? That's a great, that's a wonderful question and and I love how you phrased it and even thanks for your preface around narcissism narcissism 
but it's a mental health disorder. People don't want to believe it, but there's a whole lot of stuff. Oh, yes, it that is. We call, <laughs> that we oh, call our attitude. Yes, and, I, yes. and I was made this way. I was born this way. Some of these are real bona fide mental health issues and narcissism yes. is one. So yes. with the question at hand of being clarity and getting over it and moving on and getting well and being on a journey of healing, Here's what I'm going to share with your audience today, and that is, it goes back to acceptance. We got to remember pandemic times, life. There's a challenge every day. We have great days and we have bad days. We have days that are even just gray shaded and you're not one way or the other. What happens in mental health is, I don't care if you have a bipolar disorder or you're just simply depressed or you're dealing with anxiety or some of the more common ones around stress you do get clarity. And what happens is we're not always going to be down. It's like anything else. Right now, my husband's writing an article on resiliency and he's looking at it from the perspective of black slaves. If you look at us as a people and just everybody, this entire world, we all do bounce back. Now in that bouncing back, I always look at it as a piece of paper. If all of us right now had a piece of paper near to us and you crumple it up, it's not perfect anymore. It has wrinkles all up in it. You can even put an iron on that sucker and try to straighten those wrinkles out. You still always have some scar. Some and scars. that's what happens right. in mental health. The scar may be there. The wound will heal. You're not oozing all over the place and being a bipolar hot mess. You're not having a manic episode every day. You're not down every day. You're not feeling uh, the trauma distress every day. John and I aren't going to be in grief stricken mode all day long, Mm -hmm. but it ebbs and it flows. Mm -hmm. And the good news is when you think about resiliency, even in mental health, that ebb and flow, we get stronger and stronger and stronger. We may get knocked down, but because of the strength that we've garnered from being fallen or uh, caught up in whatever it was last time during our mental health issue, we kind of know how to handle it for the next bout and the next bout and the next bout. So people of color tend to be very resilient in many different ways. We do have a protective factor. It does exist in mental wellness. So you hit a key point, therapy, counseling a professional, that is your lifeline on that journey of getting resilient so that you can begin to have new coping strategies as you each day try to attain clarity for that day. So what's the difference between counseling and therapy? Here's the difference. We have a lot of people in the field of, I would just say, coaching and counseling where there may not necessarily be a credential behind it in terms of being a bona fide PhD or MD, but a therapeutic alliance typically can add medication, can add more psychiatric involvement because I'm specifically talking about mental health. So in the mental health world, uh, there's different levels and different modalities of how you help someone. So there's different uh, thoughts, uh, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. So more clinical is when we typically use the word therapy and more, I think, engaging around a conversation of support is more on the counseling edge. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does. And it is, it's a challenge because when you say therapy, a lot of folks don't want to, that carries a stigma, a stigma. And so does counseling. 
But when you say counseling, it can be anything. It can be anything. So I think that they're both important. I think they are both very, very important. When someone gets an opportunity to speak to a professional, to speak to someone about the things that are going on inside, that in and of itself is not only is it oftentimes gratifying leaving, but someone else's perspective, hopefully someone that you admire and respect when you get someone else's non-biased perspective. That's a good way to put it because again, just get help. It could be a counselor. It could be a pastoral counselor. It could be a life coach. I do executive coaches, um, executive coaching um, for executives and leaders. It could be a psychiatrist. Like you say, there's so many different levels. Bottom line is have that conversation for change. Pick whoever you need to, to start the journey. And then let's just say the counselor who is strong enough and smart enough and well-trained enough to realize kind of in over my head where we probably need to interject a psychiatrist. You might need some medication. You're not sleeping. We can keep talking about the bad nightmares, but we might need to actually put a little um, uh, ambient on that or some type of medication to help you. So medically speaking, there's some things that you could actually, as a counselor, guide them clinically to, to still get help. It's like, there's so many specialties. If you're having a cardiology problem um, the person who's handling your gastro problem is going to say, you got to see the cardiologist today, John, or Colette or Darcel. That, I'm, I, this is my area, but I need you to go somewhere else. So thank God there's a lot of opportunities to get help. That's right. And hopefully, prayerfully, people will take advantage of those opportunities. And just as Chef Andre said, he was able to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn as well. As well. And I see that there are quite a few coaches out there. Never, ever in my life have I ever seen so many coaches out there. Yep. Yep. It's, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's definitely needed. You know, there's, there's more people that don't believe in themselves that need someone else to believe in them or to be to regain that confidence that they once had, right? And oftentimes, we all need it. I know myself as a coach, I have a coach, you know, because I understand there's going to be those sometimes that you know that 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 I'm going to fall and I'm going to have some issues and I need to bounce back as well. But, you know, it's important for us to recognize it. And, and I know in the BIPOC community, you know, a lot of times we just don't pay attention to it or we play it off. I know growing up, uh, one of the things that, that my uncles and aunts used to be, you know, um, they wouldn't call it a mental illness or as if there was something wrong with them, you know, mentally. Um, the phrase was, you know, they're slow, right? They're just a little slow, right? And that would be more of a, a, um, a, a thing of them not really understanding that, no, there is a real illness there, a mental that's maybe a little bit more to depression, something that may not be working properly, and it's incredible that we now have people that are willing to champion, like Darcella and her husband, to bring that information to to the mainstream, 
Right. I mean, we didn't we didn't have this back in the day where the information was so hand ready. You know, they they, they put that information in the book on purpose back in the day because a lot of us wouldn't go to the library and read it. Right. But now we have the World Wide Web and we've got people that are out there that are really willing to share that message and understanding. Um, man. So. Uh, so, Darcy, I wanted to ask you, are there any. Uh, a successful treatments that you know of any any successful uh, uh, treatments, new treatments, old treatments, things that have been successful in the mental health uh, realm for people, especially people of color. Andre, 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 you just hit something that's so dear to me because there is so much out there, and there's so much Andre that we have to really think about. So. Here's what always works is CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. It is old as dirt. It's been there forever. But if you don't have that cognitive therapy piece in place, you can't really get to the root of what's going on in the mindset. And there are a lot of nuances out there, especially when it comes to looking at sort of new age uh, medications and St. John's Ward and all sorts of things in terms of the herbals. But if you have a bona fide mental health issue, I always feel your fail safe is to go back to a professional. It's always great to have a social worker, a mental health counselor, even a pastoral counselor at some point get you to the psychiatrist. Why? Well, we know everybody thinks that they call them shrinks and it's bad for you and you're loony and they have all kinds of stigma around it. But that psychiatric assessment and analysis is going to give you the big picture of where you are. That's like your mental health mapping. If we all want to know where we are in our health picture, we get an annual exam, right? They do the checkup from the neck up and they get through all your body parts and they make sure you're breathing and your lungs are good and your heart's good. And, and all your systems are in operation. It's the same thing with your mind. We need to have a mental health assessment. We need to make sure that these thoughts that we have are not going to harm ourselves or harm someone else. So I will always go back to the failsafe, which is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and always go back to old school where you need professionals to actually do the assessments before you try a whole lot of new things out there. Everything doesn't work for everybody, even new medications. If you have ADHD, uh, Lexapro, and um, there's different, uh, I've talked about Ritalin for years. There's so many new schools of medication that touches on ADHD that you can't even keep up with them. But the right doctor will tweak those medications to make sure that you're getting what you need. And let me just share with you, very spiritual people probably listen to your program. I'm a believer. And sometimes the hardest journey is to understand that we have to sometimes go from prayer to Prozac. We really do need to get some medication. God made, <laughs> seriously, God made these doctors. There's a whole lot of bipolar just splitting up churches because they're, they're undiagnosed. Um, sometimes you have issues that happen, even on a spiritual level, where pastors are in over their head trying to figure out, what am I doing here? Well, you can pray and the Holy Ghost can show up and you can speak in tongues. However, God did make a whole lot of medical professionals to help do some of that other stuff and some of those other layers. Mm -hmm. So we believe in the inspiration of healing, especially from the spiritual perspective. But we also believe that sometimes, I don't know about you, but if I cut myself, and I'm like you, Andre, I love to cook. 
I love to be in the kitchen. Little Nick here, and I'm terrible with the knife. I'm just the worst. You don't even want to see me cut an onion. It's a situation. <laughs> I, I ain't lying to you. It's a situation. I cut myself every daggone time. That's why I use one of those little chopper things and stick it in there so I can avoid getting cut. But the point is, I will go get a Band-Aid. I ain't praying over that finger bleeding. I'm like, Lord, no. I'm like, he made Band-Aids. Let me rinse this off, put some peroxide on it and get a Band-Aid. I'm not going to stand here and pray over this bleeding. It's the same thing with mental health. We are oozing all over mentally, having issues. And we don't want to go see the shrink, the psychiatrist, the counselor, the social worker. We have to wake up. Help is right here. Man, I mean, that is... (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. And, and and I love the way that you put it into a a very simple form because I tell people that all the time. You know, when you look at the scriptures and the word, I said no matter what your background is, is that you know faith without works is dead, right? You can have all the faith in the world, but if you sit on your butt, it's really not going to happen unless you do something. You know, you want to you want to get a job, you got to go find one, right? You might be one of those rare lucky ones that, that that get someone to give you a call or make a connection for you, but you actually have to do something. And like when you cut yourself, one of the first things you do, I know for us in the kitchen, we assess: is this is this a um, oh god, I forgot the two phrases that we use. Is this oh is this a uh, a, a, a problem or is this an emergency, right? You know, a problem means you got to stop production, take off your glove, and, you know, you got to do peroxide. You got to write a little incident report in case it gets worse. But you put a Band-Aid on it, you know, if, if, if you got a headache, you sit down for a little while. If you're squeamish with blood, you know, we talk about if you need to go home. But for the most part, you know, we take care of it. But if it's an emergency, you know, that's when you call somebody and you go to the where? The hospital, right? And I believe in miraculous healing. You know, I I believe that, you know, uh, uh, what the great teacher did when he was here, you know, could still happen. But all the right thing in its right place at its proper time. Right. I mean, I'll be honest. uh, You know, if I if I cut my finger in the kitchen and, you know, it's a it's a it's a slight cut. I'm not going to go bother Jesus with fixing it for me. You know, I mean, I, I personally think his energy could be used for some other great things like the people that have cancer and the people who are <laughs> have heart attacks. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But listeners, you let me know. So I, I completely understand that. And it, and it's true in the black community. You know, we put a We actually put a Band-Aid on it when we need to go seek help. Right. We actually see that someone is struggling or everybody, everybody black. And this may be a blanketed statement. But just about everybody black had an alcoholic un- uncle anywhere in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, right? Or had an alcoholic that was in their family, right? Not necessarily a drug addict, but alcohol being a drug, they would over- excessively drink. You could always smell the liquor and things on them, right? I never once heard anybody talk to them to ask them, what do they associate alcohol with? Where they have to drink to the levels where they can't drive or they can't function or they drink so much that they become borderline immune (laughs) to the effects of alcohol and become what we call functional, even though they're still an alcoholic. And me personally thinking older, being a kid, most of my uncles, you know, are ex-military men and had one uncle that was a heavy, 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 heavy drinker. It, he but he was that kind of drinker that could do you know a twelve pack of beer you know um, a, a a fifth of bourbon and smoke his cigarettes and you wouldn't even know he was drunk except for what you could smell out of his pores right he would walk normal I mean he would go to work and it was just like how did he possibly do this 
But I never heard anybody in the family say, hey, hey, Uncle Jay, what are you dealing with? Should we get you professional help? Like, you've been drinking since you left the military. And I'm pretty sure he was in the Marines. So any of my people know what the Marines do, you know what the Marines do, right? Being a black Marine in the 60s, just put that in perspective. I could see what could have drove him to drinking. But nobody in the family talked to him about his mental issues. It was just what it was. That's how he coped. Because that's how I was taught. Why Uncle Jay drink so much? Uh, that's just how he deals with life. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how we deal with life. If he was a crackhead, we'd have a different conversation. If he was sniffing cocaine, we'd be having a different conversation. See, that was all a tribute to the mental health and, and, and depression that he was probably in. Right? He passed away, I want to say about four or five years ago, and it was due to uh, um, um, part to do with his kidney and his liver. Right? But nobody thought about that 40 years ago when they were like, oh, you just let him do his thing and drink. Right? So, my people that are listening, understand this. Recognize what mental health is. Suggest people to go seek the help. And even if you get people that are apprehensive, like I was for a lot of years, introduce somebody to them. Sometimes it's the third party that gives the confirmation somebody needs, right? It's like it's like when you pray for somebody. Sometimes you're not the one that needs to pray for them. It's somebody else, right? You're praying because that's what we were taught. That's what we were, you know, uh, know to do. Speak to our Lord and Savior and ask for what it is that we want. Right. But sometimes you may not be the person that needed to pray for them. It might have been somebody else, the person sitting next to you or around from you. So I implore you, especially with dealing with mental health, because this is going to go into my next segment. Especially with dealing with mental health, because because we're so hush hush, it has turned into a very widespread thing. That a lot of people don't want to talk about with dealing with mental health. And Darcel, I'm going to put you on the spot and dive into this for a bit. There are a lot of people out there that are having a gender identity crisis. Right? And this is a mental health show. And I'm going to put my disclaimers out there now. This has nothing to do with, you know, the, the transgender community or LGBTQ or anything of that nature. This is not uh, uh, anything negative. This is a conversation about mental health. Okay? Disclaimer. People are born the way God intended us to be born. As they grow up, they feel they need to be different. Right? You always hear those stories, man in a woman's body, woman in a man's body. They're having sex changes. Don't identify me as male or female, not gender specific, excuse me, you know, gender neutral, um, you know, asexual, bisexual, A through Z. There's so many different categories and labels that are out there. And for me, I know some of it is spiritual because we all know that the devil attacks in multiple ways. Right. And he can't do anything without asking the father first to test his servant. That's just what it is. But. It's getting to the point now where it's so acceptable when you fill out medical forms and applications, you don't have to pick a gender. And see, for me, I think about that being difficult because if you were born a man and you transitioned into a woman and you go to the hospital, that's two different chromosomes that they have to work on. 
And if you tell them I'm a woman, they're going to work on you like you're a woman, which may not work for you being a man because they're going to find out eventually that your chromosomes are not the same. They're going to know that you are a man, right? I want to know that the, the question that I have to sell is, do you think many of these decisions that they're making are due to a mental health issue? And, and, and Colette, I'm going to let you time in. Uh, or do you want their cell to go? Because I know you put your hand up while I was talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned going into the hospital because I did have a situation where Huntington Hospital in Pasadena sent me to some kind of barn or warehouse down in another part of L.A. County. I had no clue where I was going. I was extremely upset that they sent me down there. I was very, very pissed off. They put me in a room where... I was the fourth person and they put me in a room where the person and there were four people, four beds. The person across from me was somebody who identified as a woman, but there's no way on the planet. Stevie wonder, Jose Feliciano, Diane Shore, all of them would have known that he was a man, but they put him in a room with women. And he went to the restroom and he left the toilet seat up. Well, I had a fit. So I called the nurse and everybody else. And I said, why would you put us in a room with that person who was clearly a man? And the nurse didn't know what to say. So all he said was, well, he identifies as a woman when he came in. We asked the question. I said, you didn't ask me. You did not ask me how I identify, but you put me in a room with that. I was very, 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 very pissed off. And when you think about the psychological effect of had I been another person and the people that, that they were bringing in, you could clearly see that everybody had issues. And they were not dealing with the issues that the people had. They were only there for maintenance. It was purely for maintenance. And, and I feel that with a lot of people, it's simply about maintaining them where they are. As long as they're not hurting themselves or anybody else, maintain them right where they are. That's one of the reasons that we are in the trouble that we are in. And later on, Andre, I'm going to have you rolling on the floor. I'll tell you about that experience offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After the show. Go ahead, Darcel. Oh, this is a valuable conversation because I think that the world we live in now, we're all still trying to figure it, capital IT, out. So let me start first with just defining what gender is. It's a person's, a person's gender is really how they identify internally and how they express themselves externally. So, you know, people may use clothing for this expression, uh, all types of different ways they fix their hair and behaviors to express what their gender is. Women are known to supposed to cross their legs and look a certain kind of way and wear a certain type of clothing. And then I want to add in terms of the um, definition is our, gen our gender identity is how we feel in relation to being male or simply female. And there are so many different terms today when we look at this. There's agender, 
cisgender. Now, cisgender is the gender you have biologically when you come out of your mama's womb. If they stamp you male, that's your cisgender. If they stamp you female, that's your cisgender. If they stamp you hermaphrodite, that's your gender of having both organs, right? So it gets even more complicated. The gender expression, the gender fluid, the gender queer. Um, we have the one called intersex. Intersex means a person born with a reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit. That goes back to what a hermaphrodite is, right? Gender variant, someone who, someone who either by nature or by choice does not conform to any gender-based expectations. And so it goes on. Uh, my last one I want to add that I found fascinating when I was actually doing some research on this myself is, is two-spirit. A gender of two-spirit is an umbrella term traditionally used by Native American people to recognize individuals who possess qualities of both genders. So that's a whole lot. There are a lot of descriptions but bottom line is how we feel about ourselves and how we express those feelings have become more and more acceptable in our society. And it conflicts with our spirituality. It conflicts with Colette, what you said, and Andre, thanks for what you shared earlier. Um, it conflicts with how we were brought up. It conflicts with our expectations of being in a restroom where it should be for women or in a hospital room where you think you're with a woman. So it's why today, I mean, you think about your house, our homes don't have male for the husband and female for the wife bathrooms. However, it's unisex. How many times have I fallen in the toilet because the seat was up in the middle of the night? Oh, I've had my fair share of <laughs> splashing around in the middle of the night and just saying all kinds of little things behind his back. But that's he's, he stands up. I sit down. So I think when it comes to asking specifically, is this a mental health issue? It's a societal acceptance issue. And to be truthful, there are a lot of folks who identify as gay that don't discover it till years in. It's actually a blessing if a child has discovered it at five or four or nine or eight, because at least the journey that they're on now, their parents can help them identify early with the confusion around what this means and being in their world. So we're not going to necessarily call it a mental health issue. I'm going to call it a societal acceptance issue because we are now accepting vaxxed and unvaxxed. We're accepting, right. don't y'all, right? Don't y'all all remember how you had to hide if you had HIV? You better not let anybody know you have HIV, you're positive. How many commercials now have we seen? Oh my God. Yes. Accepting not only that I am HIV, I'm on that commercial with my partner, be it yeah. male or female, yeah. hugging and kissing them. We have turned the corners in where we are as a society. So it becomes so individual and so personal and so scary to be yes. on the wrong side of this issue. So what is the right side? The right side is A, C, C, E, P. T-A-N-C, acceptance. That's where we are. So so we're supposed to accept it regardless. And, and the term that is used on the commercials is based on where you were assigned at birth. 
at assigned at birth, assigned at birth. I thought birth was a was birth. It was natural. You're either male or female. That's not an assignment. That's that is life. You're either born a male or you're born a female. And you did you did say that there are other other um, qualifiers, but basically for the past 2000 years, we've either been born male or female. So acceptance is really, I think now we don't have a choice because no matter where you go, what you do, it's depending, excuse me, depending upon where a person is, we don't have a choice. It's there. Yeah, let me jump in and say to you, I mean, think about that. Choice, you come out, you've been incubating your mama's womb for nine months. Now she can find out if you're male or female from a gender reveal. I don't know how many gender reveal parties we've had where it says male, female, uh, gay, straight. (laughs) I mean, you don't do that, right? Yeah, you don't do that, right. Right, exactly. Your gender reveal is still male or female because there's still two. Girl or boy, pink or blue. girl. Yeah. Exactly. And it, because that is exactly how it's been because of the way the DNA works. Right. But when you do get out there and now you're two, now you're five, now you're 12, now you're 15. Now call that what you talk about choices, lifestyle, societal influence, societal pressures, sexual differences. So we are at a place where you're absolutely right. There are a lot of choices, but think about our skin color. It's even beyond that. You come out male, female, black or white, male, female, Asian or black or white, male, female, Hispanic, black or white. You know, the drop down box has gotten quite complicated, hasn't it? When you're doing forms and stuff, (laughs) other, it's just a lot of choices now. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it, it speaks to the freedoms of where we are in our country and the opportunities for all of us of color on this particular show and Andre, I so appreciate you having me here today. And by the way, I kept calling you John before because I have a friend named John Blasting. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's Andre, it's not John. I think it, it happens often because the well, language is not that popular. You know, and if somebody knows it, I, I promise you, I run into it all the time. Somebody called, I got a guy who lives in my neighborhood. His name is David. And I'll talk to my neighbors. And they'll be like, David? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, David is my my cousin. He lives <laughs> on the other side. I understand he's 20 years older than me, but he's on the other block, I promise. Well, I just wanted to let you know I have a good friend named John Fosman. But anyway, Andre, so back to this point, my brother and my sister and everybody listening, we have to applaud the fact that we show up Black. We show up white. We show up Asian. We show up gay. We show up straight. We show up transgender because we actually didn't like it when we were 12 and we didn't have a choice. And now we really don't want pants we want to dress. So where are we? God and you and me and I and they, we're going to have to just work it out. Mm-hmm. It's very much true. It's very much true. And I know you said that it's not, uh, uh, you know, a mental, it's more societal thing. And um, I wanted to touch on that because we got a couple of minutes left. Um, it is. Society has, especially with media, and now with the internet, 
and everything else that we have. There's so much access to it that we've just made it acceptable across the board. And our children see this. So our children now believe that they really that they really do have a choice. Like I understand, you know, I've I've had some you know some 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 young guys that you know that 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 like men, right? But they were too afraid to admit it. You know, and I tell them I said, "Well, you already know my faith." I said, "But at the end of the day, that's between you and God. I'm not going to love you any less, right?" I said, it's not uh, what you choose is what you choose. I'm going to teach you the right way. I'm going to teach you what I've been taught. But, you know, when it's time for you to go back in, go back in to see the maker, that's between you and him. But you don't have to live in fear or live in a lie either, you know. And that's why I asked the question about it maybe being, you know, something to do with a mental illness. But the societal illness, I can definitely Definitely tell because society does tell us what we need to be, you know, uh, especially here in the United States. You know, black people, we can't be more than that. All black people, you know, grew up in the projects. All black people are broke and, you know, black people spend too much money on the wrong stuff. Well, statistically, that's right. But that doesn't mean we can't be better, (laughs) you know, as a people. And um, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's just incredible. It's just incredible to just think how far we've come how far we need to go and how we can just have these these conversations in a safe place. So, uh, Colette, you wanted to say something real quick? I want to go ahead and close up. Yes, I, I did want to ask uh, Darcel. There's an organization who focuses on um, transgender, queer, and I'm not real sure what queer is but don't feel bad I've been looking that up too I even talked to some <laughs> of my friends that are queer and the gay men and I'm like what is the difference and they yeah. can't give me a straight answer so I'm going to find out for you and I'll, I'll yeah. play it on the next show Yeah. <laughs> so, so Darcel do you think and, and I want you to elaborate on this as much as you can but my feeling is that the black community is in trouble, in peril. The black community have has issues dealing back to 1619. We've got issues. We put the issues in issues. And destroying the Western nuclear family, making sure that transgender and queer and gay and lesbian and anything other than straight is at the top of the heat, making sure that those are the people that are given the lift up, given the attention. Black people are not. And we've got issues. And when I read that, it it's disturbing. It's disturbing and distressing. What what would your take on that be? I, I think we're just in a society, just as Andre was saying, where so much has changed, where it's a balancing act. As you say, there's been historical pain. And because there is historical pain, we're now looking at the totality of who we are and our gender identity coupled with it 
and our mental wellness on top of it. And it's a balancing act, Colette. I mean, we really all have to take a step back and stand up and look at the opportunities that we all have and do the best that we can with it. So don't have a, a straight answer for you other than it's a balancing act. And right now there is a lot of talk about our gender communities uh, and it goes all the way down to young children having the conversation and being more accepting than many folks in my category and age bracket. Even spiritually, uh, pastors are grappling with this too. Um, you can still look at the church population and be very concerned about what's sin, what's not sin, and have that conversation as well. But the truth is, it's so individualized, that balance that you're talking about, that we just have to do our best to just really try to support each other the best way we can and not be judgmental. And that's the key word I want to leave everybody with today is we'll go back to two words. We got to accept it and not judge it and certainly not hurt each other and still try to find a way to be kind. We have lost kindness in this society. It's just mean-spirited and evil and nasty, and it's okay to call everybody a Karen. And I mean, it goes on and on and on. Just freaking be nice. Just be nice. Try it on. And even that is a mental wellness support resiliency. Be nice. Yeah. Be be something. Yeah. Because where we are today, it is, I'm not even sure what to call it. It's out of control. <laughs> That's right, Keanu. Hashtag be nice. That is one thing, uh, you know, if you listen to my show, I always tell people, I say, man, change your life today. It might be yours, right? Be kind. Right. Be kind. And right. as always, you know, health and wealth is the future of my people. And um, I want to thank Darcel for being on and being a part of that future going forward. Darcel, we will have to bring you back for a part two or a continuation of this conversation, uh, you know, when you're available. Um, and, and again, I thank you so much for being here. I'm glad I met you on LinkedIn. I'm glad we connected. Um, I think I'm going to be in New Jersey, uh, in, in, in Newark, uh, in mid March. So you definitely know I'm coming over to Brooklyn. Gotta give me a junior's cheesecake anyway. <laughs> well, I hope to try to connect with you. Definitely look me up. And I want to leave your listeners with, I have a text circle where I actually do a lot of motivational messages for uh, women and people of color. And it is 1-844-403-2019. And you just text the word circle. Again, 844-403-2019. Text the word circle. And I'll hit you right back. It's a, it's a direct line to me. And I send motivational messages out because, again, all need support so i'll be happy to come back andre outstanding i said well i thank you so much for blessing us with your time and 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 just your wisdom and your accolades man it's just absolutely phenomenal well good people i appreciate your time for listening on the show this has been the recipe with coach dre blast chef andre blasting game on the intentional talk radio network black owned and operated black and proud if you're offended when i say that then it's your own fault we love you be kind be happy be nice to someone today change your life i absolutely appreciate you guys until next time 